Now is your time to play. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am your moderator, B. Jones, and today I am joined by the cast. First up, our beloved intern, J. Ace. What's, What's going on, on y'all? How we doing, man? How we doing? It's good to be back, living. man. We are living, man. We loving that video that you put up on Facebook. If you uh, caught Mike D on the intro laughing his eyes out, that's exactly why. If you haven't seen the video yet, I don't know where you've been at on Facebook. This thing got by 6,000, no, 7,000 views, by 800 so. shares. <laughs> My dog is Insta-famous right now. I'm this, uh, what was it, just like a bass drop or something? What was it? Yeah, it was a, it's called the Pterodactyl. Um, gotcha. So I was in I was in Colorado. For those of you who don't know, that's why I missed the last podcast. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, man, it's called the pterodactyl, and the cable winds, and they drop you off the two hundred two hundred foot off the side of a cliff at hundred miles per hour, and they drop you one hundred fifty feet, and they just swing you, man. It's, it's you look like you're staring at death. Nah, you know? nah, I'm not riding. I'm not riding anything that's extinct. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not happening. Already set up. Easy, easy. Well, you heard his voice, man. We got Coach K. What's happening, brother? What's going on, man? You Miami fresh, man. He got the backwards cap on, the hurricane swag, man. We looking good at number eight. We looking good at number eight. Yes, sir. We got got a tough one. We got a couple, a tough one. Mm -hmm. We got a couple (laughs) tough ones coming up, though. We do, we do. We're going to see what it's really about, man. Mike D, what's happening, Deacon Rubra? Root to all the best. Root to the bros, man. Glad to be here. DJ, Barry, be fresh, man, with the U swag as well. I love the angry Ibis, man. The angry Ibis always does it for me. Yes, sir. He is I and I am him. Slim with a tipped up brim. Ibis, you know what time it is. We out here, freshers in the building. Lego. Easy. And our special guest this week, since we're going to be jumping into the discussion on freedom of speech, we have the not only the bros, but mm-hmm. Ernest Deloach. Esquire, lawyer for 18 years. He's a political commentator. Of course, he graduated from the University of Miami with you honors. Know. Know. Shot the wife out. <laughs> <laughs> Got the law degree from FSU. Ernest, what's happening, doggy? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me, y'all. Easy, man. Glad you are here, man. So like I said, we're going to be jumping in, talking about this uh, freedom of speech, man. I really want to jump right into it because there seems to be a huge disconnect when it comes to our rights as protesters, sometimes our rights in the workplace and Ernest being a political commentator on these things, man, I'm definitely looking for you to guide the discussion. But I wanna start off, man, um, I wanna talk about Black Lives Matter for a minute mm-hmm. because uh, just a little, a little while ago, earlier today, I saw a Yahoo article where the group has actually been categorized as a black identity extremist group by the FBI. And this is crazy. It poses, it says that Black Lives Matter is a violent threat because of their views on police brutality. Mind you, we've had a countless number of murders across the country, not one conviction yet. Still waiting on the first one. How does an organization like this, who is utilizing their First Amendment right in a peaceful manner, get categorized on the FBI uh, list as a Black identity extremist group? Pretty easy if you think about who's in the White House, who's running the Department of Justice. I mean, you have to understand the FBI falls under DOJ, which is run by the Attorney General, who many will recall 
was so conservative, I'm use that word to be polite, uh, more so racist in the 80s, that when he was actually uh, nominated to a federal judgeship by Reagan, he was denied. So there's a long history of this particular attorney general. This is the same attorney general who's made very clear, look, we're not gonna continue to investigate from the federal level the exact shootings you were just talking about that are going on throughout the country where uh, white police officers are shooting black males either when they've been not been armed or just in circumstances where they, they've not treated persons of other races the same. This is the exact same attorney general who said we're gonna roll back some of the protections with regard to affirmative action at the state level. We're gonna take a look at states that are, that are, that are in his own words, uh, committing reverse discrimination. So it really shouldn't be a shock that that attorney general that's been selected by this particular president would have his FBI designate Black Lives Matter as a quote unquote hate group or quote unquote terrorist organization. What, so, I, what I would add is just a little bit of contrast, taking nothing away from the ability of the attorney general as head of the Department of Justice to set whatever policy he'd like. Um, take a look at what federal judges are doing. Uh, you may not realize this, but there was a police officer last year that sued Black Lives Matter based on injuries he sustained at a protest march. In that case, the judge said, Black Lives Matter is an idea. You can't sue an idea. They're not a group. They have no roster. Um, there's no headquarters. Uh, there's no identifiable head uh, or, or, or centralized leadership. It's an idea. It would be like suing communism, right? Um, you, you can't do that. Now, if you can find certain people that do things, and obviously you can sue people, but you can't sue Black Lives Matter. So as far as I'm concerned, the designation of Black Lives Matter, the so-called hate group, terrorist group, purely political, based okay. on what we just discussed. Um, from a lawyer standpoint, from a legal standpoint, when a federal judge says you can't sue an idea, that means a lot more to me. But, you know, what gets the headlines for, for those who support Mr. Trump uh, and Mr. Sessions is the fact that look what we've done. We've called these people out uh, as an enemy of the United States. So if you're participating in such protests with an organization like Black Lives Matter or, many other, or any other in the mm -hmm. country, how do you go about doing these things in a way that you can kind of protect yourself? Because I mean, if you look at it historically, right. this is kind of how it starts. And we've seen movements that our people have started. We've seen leaders that our people have had that have become martyrs due to things such as the FBI designating them, et cetera. So how do we go about protesting or getting our views out without fear of some, some harm? Look, I mean, you got to realize, man, that, 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 you know, this new designation of Black Lives Matter as some type of, you know, dangerous entity, an enemy of the state is the exact reason Black Lives Matter exists in the first place, right? That, that, that's, it's, it's sort of a, um, sort of a circular logic, right? Um, Black Lives Matters came about as a result of um, what I'm going to call disparate justice uh, as the people of, 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 of a brown skin nature. You could clearly say a lack of justice uh, and, and be just as accurate. And, and, and now because you've spoken out about it, that in and of itself makes you somehow uh, not only unpatriotic, right? Uh, not only someone who doesn't agree with the laws of this country, but, but clearly now you're a threat. What can you do to protect yourself? I mean, honestly, I don't think it goes to the kind of t-shirt you wear. I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily who you align yourself with in terms of, you know, physically when you're out for a march. 
you just got to maintain yourself and understand where your where your rights to free speech began and where they stop. Right. And the bottom line is for everybody, but specifically those who are being targeted, you've got to be aware that to the extent your speech incites or otherwise promotes violence or harm, you lose that First Amendment protection. And that, now that should be for everybody. That, that, that is a blanket statement I'm making based on what the law says and the courts have said. But clearly, if you are in a group or a category of people who have now been identified, mm. rightly or wrongly, uh, as a group that potentially poses a threat, you've got to be that much more careful. But I mean, uh, beyond that, there's there's nothing you can physically, there's nothing you can do other than abide by the law. And, you know, it's going to sound kind of hokey, um, but it's what we tell our kids and it's what we're going to stand on because it's what my wife and I have dedicated our lives to. My wife's also an attorney. Um, we believe in the law. We believe in the courts. I mean, the, the history of this country, the extent black and brown people have gotten any rights, any substantive rights, is because the courts have said so, right? The courts have been the conscience of this country. Um, they've led the charge. Congress has come behind legislatively and done some 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 things because the courts said they had to. Some presidents have taken the lead in, in executive orders, but it's the courts. I mean, so at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do and rely on the court system as best you can to validate your rights. That's that's what it's about. Right. right. And, and I want to go back to something that he was talking about. So um, there is a limit to freedom of speech and most people don't know that and this goes all the way back um it's called um clear and present danger that's right um and as long as you pose some type of threat to the united states this goes all the way back to world war one there was a dude it was a case shank versus the united states i don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name but basically my man was handing out leaflets um to draftees trying to convince them not to show up, you know, to be drafted. Mm -hmm. And they actually brought a, a case against him saying that he was a threat um, and that he did not have the right to, to exercise his freedom of speech if that's what he was going to be doing. Right. And this goes all the way back to World War One, And that still stands today. Yeah. If you present, present some type of clear and present danger, which that would then be where you would want the court to be on your side to say that you, there's no evidence of that. Um, then that's that's what you need to to be aware of. The problem we have, honestly, and Carol's exactly right. It's, it's Shank the U.S. All the window homes. Everybody's heard the whole, the quote. It's often misquoted um, that you can't yell fire in a in a crowded theater. That was all the windows homes quote in that case where, where he wrote for the majority that this particular individual could not uh, essentially speak against the draft for World War One because by speaking against the draft, you're hurting the war effort that that presents a clear and present danger to national security. Right. That's exactly what it said. I said they quote it falsely because what he what he actually said is you can't falsely yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, okay. But the, but the point being that you so you can say dangerous things to a certain extent in America if, if, if they're true. But 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 the point I want to make and Carol's exactly right. Right. There is this legal reality and this political reality. Okay. And this is not my idea, so I don't want to claim ownership. But I but I'm I, I've read it somewhere and I, I don't know who to give credit to. Right. Um, this clear and present danger issue makes sense unless you are the clear and present danger, right? So what happens if you as a black person, purely by your existence, right? Um, you are considered clear and present, a clear and present danger to the national security, to women and children, to um, 
lies that are being told, right? I mean, it's, it's so it's, again, it's not so much about the content, the substance of what you're saying. What happens if you just by living, just, just by being who you are, what if that creates the danger? And, and that was my point earlier. You, there's no way to fix that, right? You can't, I, I can't not be me. I can't not be black. I can't not be male, right? And so that's, that's kind of the issue that I think we're running into where the law is saying one thing, but there's a reality out here in these streets is very, very different. Yeah, I was say, did they not? Did they not just do that kind of with the article that Brett just said? Like, what they're saying that the Black Lives Matter movement is a uh, what was what did you say? Was it like they were a threat? Uh, a black ideal, ideal, an extremist. extremist group. And then when you associate right. extremist group, uh, like by default, like they they have the threat reputation. That's right. We have an extremist. So are they not? Do you think that they're not trying to make us out to be that that uh, that group that is automatically? Once again, by default, our freedom of speech is kind of gone because anything we say can right. be led directly to. Well, in, in in most situations, and this there's a there's a historical precedence here for any black group organizing. Um, there's not one that you could probably name that probably hasn't been named a threat. So, Nation of Islam threat, Civil Rights Movement threat. But but not just threat. Black Panthers threat. Not just well, threat. It's it's it's, it's anti-American. Right? I mean, it's that that's that's sort of the undercurrent, and I and I and I want to raise that because it's one thing to say Black Lives Matter based on the Department of Justice as its extremist group, but to take it to this issue of free speech, uh, whether it be Colin Kaepernick or others, there's there's also this notion where if your speech doesn't line up with what we agree with, it's un-American. And I think this un-American thread and this dangerous thread run very closely together, right? It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an argument that, again, going back to your your selfness, who you are as a person, right? Um, not just your speech, don't line up with what we consider American, right? It, it's right. It, it's what it's the dog whistle comment of we're taking our country back. It's the dog whistle of let's make America great again. What you're essentially saying is there are people who have come in that don't look like me, who have acquired power I never wanted them to have. And that power is not only in their speech, it's also in their presence. They've occupied positions they never should have had, much less the fact they're saying things I don't agree with. And that is in and of itself un-American and dangerous. You, you heard the president say it recently, right? I don't want to get too far afield, but I think all this stuff weaves together. When the president says that a representative, duly elected representative from Miami, Congresswoman, you can't question General Kelly. Why can't you question General Kelly, right? So the um, uh, the press secretary says you can't question General Kelly. He's a general. I don't think you question generals. We question generals all the time. Trump is questioned and talk bad about a bunch of generals. But what they're essentially saying is that's a white guy. Right, right. Yeah. Lady, you can't. What are you doing talking to him like? You yeah, can't check this white guy, black lady, right? And again, right. It's, mm-hmm. this, it's this otherness. It's this danger. It's this danger element. It's this um, unpatriotic element. It's that you know, Kaepernick. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're taking a knee during the national anthem to protest the deaths of, of innocent black men, you're un-American, right? It's right. it's we're branding the speech as dangerous because we don't like it, and that's not what the court said. Not, that's not that's not what the law says. So there's this very you know um, severe disconnect between again the legal realities and 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 what and what's happening in the streets out here, man. And, and yeah. what's, what's funny about it, before you jump in there, Brett, is that there is precedence that protects you as an American. You actually have the right 
to burn the American flag. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So if if you're so concerned about you know disrespecting the flag, disrespecting the national anthem, why would that still exist if you could burn the flag? Like this was established in 1989 in another case. Absolutely. Right. But you're you're, you have an issue with people silent protesting, symbolically protesting through kneeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's definitely, there's a legal content and then there's a, what, what's reality? Well, why, why is it? it? It is exactly what Ernest is alluding to. It's you're being un-American. Yeah. So I want to go back to the legalities of it, man, before we get into 45 and his yeah. use of his own free speech versus everybody else and holding people to different standards. I want to go back to the legalities real quick, because I think it almost sounds like a lot of these cases, or a lot of these instances become a lot more subjective than objective. And the standard, um, and I don't know the legal terms, but like the standards of legality are kind of thrown by the wayside. And I wanted to know from your perspective as a lawyer in the field, do you see the system kind of changing a little bit? Are there any steps kind of being made to, I guess, get someone to that first conviction or get, you know, some of the reforms that we might be wanting to look or might be wanting to see happen um, in the field? Man, not really. <laughs> um, I, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to be down about it. But key, you know, throw, throw it out there. It's not going. No, bring that back in. Nah, <laughs> man, I, I, you know, not really, man. Um, you know, there there have been talks over the last few years about um, certain types of reforms that that are taking place. So, like, I can speak for Orlando. Orlando's like a lot of municipalities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're beginning to decriminalize um, small amounts of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're beginning to now. I've seen um, different cities or, or or law enforcement agencies are treating juveniles in a different way, so that they don't necessarily get branded and get sort of tracked in a way that that potentially harms them uh, down the line for their careers and the rest of their lives. Um, I've seen school systems that are going to uh, Orange County being one of them uh, here here in Orlando, where uh, they're they're taking a look at how they treat discipline because they realize that there's a there's a school to prison pipeline very often right and it starts off with getting kids many of them african-american males kicking them out of class in school suspensions out of school suspensions expulsions there there's a you can track uh in a a very logical and 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 calculable way those kids and them eventually end up in in the criminal justice system so when i say there's like no reforms and that there's 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 nothing happening i you know i i i probably was being a little overly dramatic it's not what we want to see it's not where it should be there are some baby steps i think that that are helping um sort of what's what's going on it's it's just not every every example i just gave you is basically a localized example meaning it's something that's happening um pretty much at the municipal level or at the state legislative level but it's not happening nationally you know, we still have issues with federal drug laws and federal sentencing guidelines. And I think what you're going to begin to see as well, I don't mean to alarm people, but if you think Trump is trying to undo the Obama legacy just through um, the Affordable Care Act and, and um, investigation of um, criminal justice violations uh, at the state level by the federal government, um, looking at affirmative action, you think that's the only way he's doing it? It's not. Right, you're gonna you're gonna continue to see him roll back a number of protections 
or initiatives that were aimed at trying to equalize criminal justice for black folks he does not have to get congress to do it um so you're going to see those policies in the same way you saw black lives matters designated uh, by the fbi as an extremist group that that, that wasn't at congress that didn't take you know there were no hearings held on that that was the head of the department of justice deciding that's what they wanted to do you're going to see a lot of the reforms roll back. And that's what, so it's not just a matter of what progress isn't being made, it's also a matter of what progress has been made is being rolled back. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, the so, so you ask that question, right, Brett? But the real issue is, is that who do we have pushing for this reform? Who's out, next who's, who's out there pushing for it? Yeah. And the problem is, is that so we just talked about a bunch of um, things that President Obama put in place getting rolled back. And you hear a lot of people say, well, what did he do for black people while he was in office? Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, you're just so uneducated that you don't really understand the number of things that had happened that were targeted toward us, but he just couldn't come out and say, this is for my people. Exactly. <laughs> you got to be discreet about it, man. You exactly. gotta be so, about it. So, so now we don't even know, or a good majority or a, a number don't know that these things are going to happen. That's so true. nobody's stepping up to say, hey, my elected official or my right. representative, I want you to go make sure that this doesn't happen. Right. Well, and let me, I'll add one more thing and not to just, you know, to just drive us off the cliff uh, on all this negativity, but it's 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 also not just what's going on in DC. Don't, you know, so we, we have always understood incorrectly, I think, that what's going on in Washington, DC and what's going on in the White House and what's going on um, at the Capitol, you know, is the primary um, sort of reason we're, we're, we're doing well or not. And the fact of the matter is, so if you look historically, as Carol's been saying, it's been what's happened at the state level and the local level that's really been the thing that we've always had to fight. If you think about it, you know, Jim Crow laws were local. Mm -hmm. There's no, there no federal Jim Crow law. And I, I mean, in fact, if you think about it, constitutionally, all the federal, all the protections we had were at the federal level. Exactly. What was going on? I mean, all the, all the, all the laws that said that we couldn't vote, or there were, you know, poll taxes. All the laws that said that we couldn't, uh, there could be no miscegenation, you know, mixing of the races. Those were all state and local issues. And though we're 60, 70 years past that, if you were to look across the country at how many Republican-controlled legislatures there are, and how many Republican governors there are, you would find that they are far more in the majority. And so what Republicans are doing is they're like, listen, yeah, we got the White House and yeah, he's kind of foolish and we don't know how long he's gonna last, but what they're doing is they're locking up these state legislatures. And we're in the minority. When I say we, I mean Democrats, but also black folks who tend to be more democratic uh, to the extent we're represented, we're in the minority, right? Um, these gun bills at the state level, those are Republican bills, right? Um, these uh, these bills have been struck down in North Carolina where they redrew voting lines to keep uh, black folk out of uh, competitive races and, and not being represented. Those those Republican that's a Republican legislature. These voter ID laws that are preventing you know students and military from voting as they should be able to while they're residing or working or going to school in one place other than the place they're from. Those are Republican legislative issues, man. They're not they're, none of them are federal. So. You know, they, 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 look, what's going on in D.C. is a mess. I, 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 let me let me be very clear about that. But I think what's more dangerous for your everyday walking around life is what's going on in your state capitol and what's going on in your city hall. And that, and, that, that to me, is, is the bigger issue. And that move locally is what has allowed D.C. to happen. No question. 
because because the infrastructure was already being built and yeah. set. Yeah. And then they just needed a person that, that was going to run with it. That's very true. And who could tap into it? That's that's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. All these uh, state delegates and Republican Party chairs, you're absolutely right. These, these were people that were disgruntled from the get-go. And, you know, old boy came at the right time with the right message and fooled the right number of people. Well, I ain't gonna say fooled the right number of people, that is, but that assumes that people didn't want him. There were people that absolutely um, were encouraged by him. They weren't fooled, right? Right. They've been waiting for him to come so they could be out front right. public about like the leader uh, of the Ku Klux Klan, straight up, yeah. something crazy like that. No doubt, no doubt. Right. So if you're listening, man, and you're hearing, like, yes, we're pointing out a lot of problems, but the solution is in there. If you're really listening, you got to start at that local level, getting more involved with the local legislatures, because that's where we start making the moves that directly affect us, that'll cascade into D.C. When we start seeing that change in D.C., it's unfortunate that we have to wait another three and a half years unless something happens beforehand yeah. uh, to try to right this ship. But if we want to start writing it right now, it's the local legislative. You got to start putting in that word now. now. You got to plant those oh, seeds yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's your back- seed. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> hey, Mike, you're on mute. Oh, you're good now. now how, do you, how do you educate those that don't really care? I mean, in terms of being able to affect change at the local and the state level, there's an education process that has to start historically from people yeah. understanding kind of how you got to the position that you're in. Yeah. And we need to do it at local and state when you got people that don't even want to participate yeah. in the whole electoral process until you get to a presidential election. So now we got midterms that are coming up. People don't give a hoot. Like, what, how do you, how do you get there? No, I, I man, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, that that's the, the million dollar question, right? Um, and I don't think anybody's really figured it out. And I'll be very honest with you. I don't think Republicans have figured it out either, right? I, I, I think they stumbled into a win on this one. Yeah, and, lucky. Um, yeah, it was rhetoric, man. Yeah, they did. They, 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 they caught us slipping a little bit to be very, to be very candid, just to True. Just be real about where we were and where we weren't. Um, uh, and they just kind of stumbled into it, right? But no, Mike makes a good point, man. What do you, how do you, how do you educate folks to let them know that, you know, if this is not an every four year thing? Right. And, and, and I don't I don't know the ultimate answer to that. I mean, it's something I do personally. You know, I mm-hmm. speak to I speak to kids. Um, I speak to municipal uh, groups. I speak to my church, I speak to my frat. I mean, but in a, in a way, you're kind of preaching to the choir already. Right. I don't I don't know how you get out there and engage. And I mean, look, the souls to the polls where you're actually picking people up and taking them to the polls. <laughs> that's great. But again, that's a that's a every four year thing. You know, right. that's not that's not making sure I'll give you a good example, I think, of what might be saying of of something simple that seems small but goes a long way to kind of set us up politically. How many people do you know when the census was going on in twenty ten wouldn't wouldn't answer the question but wouldn't go to that door? Yep. I haven't seen a census since I was in like high school. Right. Like, oh, like wouldn't self-identify. I wouldn't provide because I don't want to tell the government my information and I don't trust mm-hmm. the government. I get that. There's a there's a historic reason why black folks don't trust the government, but that is a great example of if you don't identify who you are, where you live, and who live in your house, and what you look like, right? What your economic situation is. Those are the things they use to help determine the voting districts and the voting roles, right? And where the precincts are going to be, and how many they're going to be, and how many ballots to prepare, right? Um, that, that's how they do that. I mean, so that's just one example of, you know, we're not doing this one thing. 
and it's having an effect in a way that we don't even realize. So it's not even about not being engaged politically, but every four years, it's about man not being engaged in the process at all. Um, it's about you know not understanding what, how to how to how do you get your rights back if you've lost them because you've gone to prison. Or what happens if you go to the polls and you've moved since the last time you voted and they say you can't vote? Do you know you can cast a provisional or not? I mean, it's 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 deep. It's a, it's and I don't know the answer. I mean, all, all, I mean it's super deep. And, here, and here's the thing: <clears throat> just like how to obtain wealth, they don't teach you that exactly in school. No. Like that wasn't that wasn't in civics class. They didn't teach you about yep. this. It was not part, especially at the local level. They don't really talk about that at all. So the seed is not planted from young. So the people that know it's because somebody passed it on to them. Yeah. Right. So as Ernest is saying, and as somebody like Brett, you know, Mike D, you got to get out there and you have to constantly drive this conversation. Yeah. But I think where we where we meet opposition is that the buy-in is not there. Like it's not again. It's not really important to me because it's not directly affecting me at this moment. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I was going to go because I yeah. think um, that's part of the solution there. The, the situation we're in now, and I think a lot of it will fall on some of the voters that lie within my age range, that millennial mm-hmm. age range. Right. You know, you got a lot of people that didn't vote, you know, a lot of people that vote third party, you know, whichever category you, you fall into. But it's because one... You, nobody ever thought Trump would actually be able to win this thing. Like right. I feel, and I was one of them. I was like, there's no, there's no way. Yeah. But then two, um, it's like you said, until it directly affects you. And so now, because these things are about to start directly impacting a lot of these people, I think that this is the learning process. Um, you know, I think uh, it's almost like training a dog, man. Um, you have to like train it. They have to feel something. Or, like when you're teaching a child, like sometimes mm-hmm. you can't just talk to them all mm-hmm. the time. You have to put your hands on it. So in order for us to, or in order to inspire that change, you got to kind of feel some of that hurt. And unfortunately, we don't. We didn't have the foresight enough to be able to save ourselves yeah. from this type of hurt. We actually have to go through this now. But I'm hoping that that incites a lot of change, so that in the next four years, or even the next two years, we got midterms coming up. You got a lot of local elections coming up, especially in places like uh, Flint, Michigan, Detroit, places like Texas, and you know, all over uh, St. Louis, Missouri. All of these places that are disproportionately uh, organized in ways that do not help the the, uh, the population that are, don't really affect the, the true sense of what the population is when it comes to their elected officials. So, you know, their feeling is hurt now. So I'm hoping that drives them to be a lot more involved. So that starts that learning process that you allude to, Mike. And look, Brad, sometimes I think what we got to do, and I'm, I'm going to say some negative things in a second, but I'm going to start positive. Sometimes you got to look and, and realize what you've done well already. So let's think about this for a second. Young man Trayvon Martin gets killed in Sanford, right? There are a number of questions about not just the facts of that case, but how that case came to be brought eventually to a grand jury to be charged, right? Not long after that, you have your first African-American female state attorney in the history of the state of Florida, her first African-American period uh, state attorney in the state of Florida, elected here in Orange County, Osceola County. You have uh, what happened in Ferguson with Mike Brown, and you have, for the first time, sometime after that, the very first African-American prosecutor in the city of Ferguson elected. You have Tamir Rice, who was killed um, because he had the temerity as a child who had a toy gun and was shot and killed without any conversation 
or engagement. Um, and in Cleveland, you have elected the first African-American prosecutor. So again, look, we've done this, right? We, we've shown that when we get hurt, as Brett said, when we get affected, when it becomes our business on a very real basis, you know what, we, we go to the polls. And, and not only can we get people elected, we don't get spokespersons elected, we don't get figureheads elected, we're getting people who absolutely manage the policy of how it is black folk get into the criminal justice system at all, right? Um, so we can do it. Here's the problem, right? Having said that, here, here's, here's the problem. My wife and I have this term, we call, we call them t-shirt wearers. Um, <laughs> we love to wear t-shirts. Oh my gosh, we will wear a t-shirt, Man, we will march, we will lay down. And I'm not taking anything away from that to, to just suggest because I don't do it necessarily is not of value. I think it's of tremendous value to have tens and hundreds of thousands of young black and brown and white people coming out to show their discontent with what's going on in this country, right? Um, and, and I certainly don't want to besmirch what happened to the young lady in Charlottesville because she's one of those people who lost her life doing it. So I, I don't mean to suggest when I say t-shirt wear, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna paint the broad brush and say they're just out there to be out there, but but the problem is how you translate that energy, right? That, 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 that love of unity to get out here in the streets and march and protest and, and, and scream and shout and have signs and, 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 and down Trump, et cetera. How do we get that into the ballot box, right? How do we get that to city hall? How do we get that, forget ballot box, how do we get that to a city council meeting? Thank you. Yeah. As a citizen who lives in the community, right? How do we get that at, um, you know, these meetings where these budget meetings, where they're setting budgets for our kids in, in, in parks and recreation and our older people and elderly affairs. How do we, how do we get the t-shirts, right, into the, in, into the actual functioning. It was the outside end game. I mean, I'm all for the protest side. You've got to have pressure from the outside to make the inside work. But right now, we're just kind of doing the out. I don't say we're just doing There's a lot of outside game. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of inside game. Right? Well, and that's because it's, 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 it's an outdated form that we have not evolved to a point of, okay, we're going to demonstrate, we're going to show solidarity but then what are the action steps yes, after? That's exactly right. And that's the part that we just, we, we dropped the ball on. We put yeah. so much into getting the people together that we don't put in the energy to that end part. And, and, and I'll tell you something, man, they, you know, they, when I say they, uh, those in power, right? They can be resistant to that. Let's just be, it's, it's, it's kind of the old, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, I was just reading this chapter in the, in the book, uh, in Gladwell's book, um, uh, David and Goliath, and he goes to this chapter of Birmingham, right, and 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 how they got the attention of the world, what was going on in Birmingham, and the gist of it was they had to basically um, instigate Bull Connor to be a jerk and, and set the water hoses and dogs out on people. Mm -hmm. Because when they tried it earlier um, in another city, that particular police chief knew full well, if I just treat them right, there's not going to be, it's not it's nothing newsworthy. So people weren't treated, there were no dolls, no hoses. So they go to Birmingham and they, and they basically instigate to get him in the game. And that's, and that's kind of, the, you know, it's kind of the same thing of man, like, I, the powers that be, I think believe, this is, you know, this is just me. If you're gonna march five nights in a row and tear up your own community and be on the news and say harsh and nasty things, 
I'll endure that. Exactly. And if I realize in November you ain't coming to vote. Yeah. Tear it up. Cause I want to buy it anyway. Exactly. It's just like you said, the main thing is you're tearing up your community. It's not like you're coming to, you know, those, uh, you know, upstanding neighborhoods with, you know, these huge houses. It's all about tearing up the community that you live in. And like you said, they're sitting back watching like, that's fine with me. Let me know when you finish. Yeah, because because the filing deadline for mayor is next week. Yeah, they're like, perfect. That's exactly where we wanted to put that new mall. The, de- the, the registration deadline for new voters was last week. So y'all martyrs scream all you want because when it comes time to election day, I'm, I'm still going to be. And, and again, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't mean to speak ill of it. There's a, there's a great value to having that kind of energy and strength externally. But if we don't learn to kind of turn that into um, some formula that we can use inside the system, it just, it just ain't gonna mean anything. Or it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the quality of the candidate. I mean, even if it gets to a point where there are people that are running, but you're looking like, all right, well, I know this dude was a drunk. <laughs> I know this guy never graduated from high school. So my choice is only to go with what I know. Yeah. There's nobody that is, that, as you would call the t-shirt, where it is even in the position to run, that once they get in, I can foresee change. That's true. So it's a it's a, a fine line there. Um, I think we do lack a lot of organization when it comes to getting to execute because we'll march, we'll be loud about what it is we want to be heard, but then that follow through, that organization piece, it always seems to fall down there. And I mean, there's a guy Sean King that I follow really heavily, yeah. um, who's really adamant about seeing social change and social injustices be righted. Um, and he started really well, um, I think back in December mm-hmm. and it went strong, but then it kind of like fell off. He got quiet. I don't know what happened, whether it was personal life or whether he might've been getting attacked by the FBI too. Pressure. He got that phone call. That's right. Calling that letter. Yes, but it's like, um, you know, I hate to say it, but you got to endure, you know, especially when you put yourself out there on that platform, man, you got to be willing to. I hate to put himself him in that position because he has a family just like I have a family. But the only way we've seen the type of change that we've, just the change that we've seen the last 40, 50 years, because people have been willing to risk it all and they've been willing to gather people together in an organized fashion for reasons much, much bigger than themselves so their children's children can have a better life. So I think once we are willing to risk it all because like you said man it's like the the crying baby almost you know you mm-hmm. the cry it out yeah they're gonna cry for a little while but eventually they'll fall asleep exactly. and i think that's exactly well, it's, how they view us we we who who are our civil rights leaders right now who are the malcolm x's who are the martin luther's of this generation who are the people that we look to to you know always be that 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 shining beacon of light towards you know that you know, motivation of, hey, injustice needs to be stomped out. There's mm-hmm. nobody in, in, not only is there nobody, it's just like you said, the people who start to poke up and, and, and kind of seem like they're going to be that voice. Next thing you know, you know, six, nine months, 12 months. I, I remember that guy vaguely, but now he's gone and, and his movement has passed away. And, and yeah. right. all of that but, momentum seems to have disappeared. But here's the thing. Yeah. I don't think as a people we will ever produce that person again until we are ready to protect that person Mm -hmm. or those people very and 
and and and and that's the issue is that we're so reactive that we wait until something happens for us to show up right we show up and we show out and then we leave because we don't realize that getting to somebody into position that's just the beginning there's so much more that needs to be done after that occurs uh but right now look it, if one of us steps up and says we're going to do whatever, who's going to be there? Yeah. I'm right there with you, bro. You always ride Coach K. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you know, K too is 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 you got to realize, man. It's it's look. Will we ever have generational leaders like King and Obama? Well, they're generational leaders because they literally come along once every generation, right? Once every two or three generations. So we're not going to have them on a constant basis, but, but, mm -hmm. but, but just looking at having the type of leadership, like you said, that we can kind of get behind, that we can support, you know, we gotta, we gotta think for a second that, you know, leaders aren't just born like that, right? We, well, let me back up. Some of them are, some of them just come here, blessed by God, fully anointed to, to lead their people. This is what I'm doing. But most of them, right? Those leaders are made. And so we gotta start asking ourselves, how do we develop? Right our bench. What's the mm -hmm. farm system, to use a sports term, to get our young leaders, our young people, to get them ready for state and national leadership, right? We're just kind of sitting around waiting for the next Barack to show up, but <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we've got to start thinking that, you know, the next Barack or the next Michelle, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm saying that intentionally as a father of a, of a, of a phenomenal daughter, um, they're in elementary school now, mm -hmm. you know? And so that kind of goes back again to, are we making sure they're not being tracked improperly? You know, in the disciplinary system, are we making are we making sure that the criminal justice system is treating them fairly? Are we making sure they're being taught properly and they're they've been properly supplied in their schools in the public school system? Right? We we got to start there, but then it's a matter of are we giving them opportunities to lead? You know, one of the issues I have run into, I'm not as a younger man, not as young anymore, that I remember trying to come up under some of these leaders who were here locally before I got here, right? <laughs> Um, who, 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 who at one point probably were the ones that were taking the water hoses and dogs, but they graduated now like that first generation of blacks who had made it. Mm -hmm. I can tell you from a personal standpoint, maybe it's just me, maybe maybe I'm just not likable, maybe I did something wrong, maybe I didn't no get sir, No sir, no sir. They don't wanna let go. They don't wanna let go. They're not trying to develop leadership. So we've got a real problem where there's a system that's aimed at not are not developing our leaders. Forget developing our leaders. There's a system aimed at our kids not surviving, straight up. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, not developing the leadership. But there's also internally in the black community now. We got a problem. You know, at, 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 at some of our most prominent institutions, be it, be it our black colleges and universities, be it our black churches, be it our black fraternities and sororities and Masonic and, and et cetera organizations, we ain't too keen on bringing up the young kid and showing him the ropes and getting him ready to take over for us. And we got to own that. Yeah. Um, until we do that, look, man, you're not you're not gonna have somebody, you know, can't I mean think about Barack. Barack was rejected by the black elite. Mm -hmm. Told me he wasn't ready. Told me when his turn. Told me he hadn't he hadn't gone through enough yet. I mean, yeah. so even he had to overcome it. But uh, until we figure out a, a way to develop young leaders. You know, we're, we're all just waiting for the next Messiah. We're waiting for the next 50-year leader to come along. And we ain't got time, man. We, we're too far behind as a people already. We can't wait every 50 years for the next Messiah to come. 
Right. You know what I mean? And I and I don't know how you break through that. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you do. I think systemically it's to a point where there's so much of a generation gap that if you look at the older gentlemen on the podcast, we within our 40s. <laughs> <laughs> we within our forties and still sitting in a second level role, yeah. not being the top at whatever it is we do. So, oh, still being called a youngin, right? And still or, being, or, or <clears throat> yeah, right. by, the, by the people that that have the ability to open right. some doors, right? And and then those that are supposed to be your successor, that's creating a succession plan, still view you as you as their son and calling you boy when you got kids is graduating and going off to college. So there's still all their competition, right? So there's right. a view that I still have things to teach you when intellectually, um, culturally, just mentally, you are so far beyond their comprehension yeah. that it causes those that are coming up that are now 18 and their 20s to say, you know what? I'm not even going to go into that field. Exactly. I'm going to go somewhere it's completely different. So the talent, the gifts, and everybody that's growing that could potentially be changed now wants to do something completely different. Yeah. So you it's don't true. have a pool of talent to even bring after us. Like, we're trying to... I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um... Because I see a lot, of, what I see is a lot of this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I hold up my five fingers for a reason because what we want is this fist. Mm -hmm. And what I see are a lot of individual efforts, a lot mm -hmm. of different movements, a lot of people trying to move, you know, by their own means or whatever it is they have going on. They're trying to, but it's not an organized or collective effort. And that's one of the, that's what I would, I would like to see a lot more of. I would well, like I to see it, it's, it's, it's hard to create a movement like that when something as simple as Black Lives Matters can be created into a terrorist organization, essentially. When uh, the simplicity of what's being said, similar to, you know, Colin Kaepernick, where we are discussing flags and everything else, but the true issue that was why he took that initial need. And for it to continually evolve like that, it continues always puts that fear in whoever is creating a group and really not in their group but more so the people outside looking in of oh wait a minute if i get involved with that i don't want to be blacklisted as you know mm -hmm. what they are even even if what's being painted as that picture is a hundred percent false right mm -hmm. i think that goes back to an earlier point um you know when you're willing to risk it all it's like i'm not gonna live a coward you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm willing and ready and able to do what I need to do to not only see my people, but you know, see my family or whatever, yeah. or see my kids' kids have a better life. And I think that's the mind state. If you know, if I don't, I don't know how you might not have that already. Given you can walk out the door today and lose your life over nothing. Right. But there's so like if you think of the movement that happened, there's this whole community development corporation. There's this whole history of community organizers. Mm -hmm. specifically from kind of the landscape that's in Cleveland. You got a number of community development corporations that exist. You have a number of community organizers and within the nonprofit sector, a lot of people that are executive directors started out as community organizers doing the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. so they were able to bring people together. They were able to organize around issues and that was done in a manner that was seen appropriate because that's what those things were formed to do. So there wasn't a need for a Black Lives Matter because you had a community organizer that could get 
500 people out when Dr. Martin Luther King showed up for a march. Yes. It wasn't Dr. King doing it. He was building off of the networks that are within the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Those now community development corporations don't have that black talent that is coming up. So they're being led by Caucasian men. They're being mm-hmm. led by black women. And therefore you don't have black males that are in those positions that are doing it the right way. So they are forced to not be a part of Black Lives Matter because mm-hmm. I got to take off of work in order to go protest instead of this being my job. Mm-hmm. Being the leader of a nonprofit, me being the leader of a community development corporation, me being the superintendent of a school or the principal of a school, being able to give the education over these are things that are going on in your local government. These are ways and reasons why you need to vote for your local, for your mayor. Your mayors are people that are being in position, but they've been former council people. They, they're very, there really isn't this talent that you can pick from other than sports. So people see African-American males that are all throughout sports. They talk about talent. They talk about this. There isn't that same type of conversation for your elected officials and people that are into any type of community development situation. Uh, I, I think there's a difference, right? And this is probably a totally different podcast, but there's a difference now because I think back during that time of civil rights, there was a unified reason right that was a problem to everybody to everybody as a whole mm-hmm. now we don't have that unified reason per se because there's love there's different levels of success that we've all achieved and with that success comes some separation that we don't intend to happen but that separation happens and now you kind of get treated like an outsider you're an anomaly mm-hmm. there's something you, you you don't understand what i'm going through anymore so therefore I can't just get behind you and stand behind you and support you. And that's that's part of the reason going back to our, our in-house stuff, right? We have to understand yeah, yeah. our in-house stuff and understand it just because we've taken advantage of some opportunities doesn't mean that we're now different and that I don't understand you and you will understand me. I'm tr- I want to definitely expose you to the opportunities that I've had if you would just take the time to listen to me and see that I'm not trying to tell you that your life isn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a disconnect. You're right, you said culturally, generationally. Um, and we're losing we're losing people, man. We're losing mm-hmm. people. The other thing that I realized too, man, look, it's, it's you know, like Carol said, there was a unified reason for all of us to sort of get behind uh, the same issue, uh, certainly in the civil rights movement. I think the other thing we gotta realize is, uh, and this is gonna be hurtful to some people, is that one of the one of the, if not the pillar institution at that time was the black church. Um, and the black church um, doesn't have the same significance. Uh, and I want to be fair, church does not have the same significance in society it used to. Um, when you start looking at issues as diverse as whether it be sadly sexual abuse in the Catholic church or the treatment of gays and lesbians in the black church, right? There's a, there's a disconnect. It's hard to tell a young person that such and such is a sin greater than such and such, or that this person is damned um, purely because of who they love when those people live next door to me. I know them personally, right? That's, it's, and so you, so that's another problem. We don't have a, a rallying point um, philosophically, but we don't have a rallying place anymore. 
Now the, now the good thing about it is, and this is what the millennials are doing, is they decided, listen, we don't need a place, right? The place is the internet, yep. right? And we've seen sort of in this revolutionary summer a few years ago when you saw, you know, Libya and other places in the Middle East falling based on social media, Twitter storms by young people. Um, it's a powerful force, man, when it can be harnessed and it can be treated properly. But you're right, man. It's, it's, this, is not your, this is not your granddad's civil rights movement anymore. Um, and, the, and the problem is the granddads, I think, are still trying to hang on and don't want to give proper due to, to, to the young bucks. The young bucks feel shut out and therefore are not going to kiss the ring of old heads. Mm-hmm. And today, the old heads ought to be dropping knowledge to the young bucks and the young bucks ought to be using their energy and fight and, and, and technology to help the old heads. But there's this cultural and, and uh, generational disconnect where we're just not talking to each other. Yeah, I think there's, you know what I mean. I think there's an obvious resentment because it's almost like the wisdom and knowledge that you would pass down. I had to get it from a book instead of when I asked you, you didn't give it to me. So you forced me to read the message of the black man instead of you telling me. Yeah. And when I asked you what happened to the signs, you know, they used to be colored only and white only. Where the signs go? You don't want to respond. You don't talk about it. Yeah. Now I got to go do my own research and do my own research. I figured it out on my own. So me- thank you. Me- meanwhile. That's the head start that we needed. So we have right. to go back and start right. from scratch to figure right. it out. You know? right. Because the feeling is, well, you ain't been through nothing. You ain't worked for it. No, no, I'm going to work. But what I need to work for is not the same thing that you had to work for right. in your time. Yep. I got crops. a totally different. Right. How many crops would you miss out if instead of mm-hmm. being taught how to farm, you had to figure it out from the bare minimum basics of, you know, any. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot more sense for someone to be able to teach you the basics that then you can expand and create something better. Well, especially when the reason they won't tell you is because no one told them either, right? Yeah. So we're just perpetuating the, right. the same yeah. lunacy yeah. Uh, that went yeah. on before, right? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and simultaneously, you know, our competitors, our colleagues who are of a lighter shade than us, they're not doing that. Not even close. sharing the knowledge, man. Right? Uh, They're absolutely passing it down, man. And they, not, and they make it even worse. They're not even accepting the knowledge. They got the knowledge and don't want to do nothing with it. That's actually true. They're like, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I just right. keep this policy and this. <laughs> but as long as we continue to have conversations like this, gentlemen, <laughs> like we got, as long as we keep extending that hand, you know, That's we fine. should start to see, uh, you know, some of that change happen, man. Especially when we have some of the old heads like Carol Mike and earnest, you know, being willing to impart that knowledge and then set the path for the young heads like myself and Jay Bass. I do got a quick question. You know, I could, you know, I, you know, I could eject your box, right? I could just eject <laughs> your little cube. But, Go ahead, uh, Jay. What you got? My man, Ernest, I just a quick question. Like for uh, the millennials that, that, or for myself and, and other millennials that may be watching or you know may not be watching or whatever the case may be. Um, what are some just some takeaways that we can do maybe like starting like you know tonight or tomorrow mm-hmm. if you will that we can do just to uh, start the process and, and and really get into that local area that we said is the most effective front office. that's a great question man run so front for office uh, <laughs> one, of, one of one of the first thing I mean definitely run for office man if you've got that stomach you've got the heart do it um and if your and if your family can take it I tell people all the time that um, <laughs> um my wife speaks her mind and I love her for that. I could walk through the grocery store as an elected official and somebody say I'm doing a bad job and not have a problem with it. My wife ain't gonna have nobody talking trash about me in these streets. So I don't even wanna put, put us in that, in that situation. So we have to do it a different way. But one of the things I think you can do very easily, go to your um, city or county's government website, 
go to the section that says citizen or resident, look for voluntary boards. What people don't realize is, yes, your city or county spends millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of your tax dollars on programs and services and neighborhoods probably you don't live in, even though you pay for it. But what people don't realize is the city makes those decisions, but they only do it after they've been advised by citizen board. These are volunteers who take their time to, to actually shape the policy, set the budgets and spend the money. So you can tomorrow, and, and I can tell you, I, having sat on the city's board in Orlando that places people on all those boards, being one of the only blacks on that board, and my job, well, my job, my mission being to put people to look like me on those boards, they don't have people. And it's one of the places where they can actually tell the lie and it be true. We can't find nobody. We'd love to have more diversity, but we can't find um, So A, what you'll, what you'll immediately do is dispel this notion that we aren't interested in our own livelihood in our neighborhoods. But B, what you'll be able to do is you're, you're shaping policy. You're not, you've not run for office. You've not put, your, put, put a, a, a bullseye on your chest to be talked about or, or about somebody coming at you. You've not had to raise money. You ain't had to do no background check. You literally have to put in an application and say, I care about my community. And you can start deciding what types of art is placed in your community. What types of um, recreational programs? Um, where is street beautification going to be done? Is it just in the other neighborhood or your neighborhood? All those decisions get made. And we're literally just not in the room. So the very first thing I beg somebody to do, find that section on that website, city or county, um, figure out there's a volunteer board that you can attend and apply and serve. Um, and if that whets your appetite and you feel good enough to, to move forward with other public service, then please do. Go to city hall meetings, speak as a resident, read the agenda, know what's going on. Um, real quick, I know, I know we're, we're, we're short for time. Why is it important? Because mayors and city councils select city managers and city managers hire police chiefs and police chiefs set criminal justice policy in your neighborhood. The governor uh, elect, is elected, he nominates judges uh, and appoints judges, right? Um, judges affect criminal justice in your neighborhood on a daily basis. Um, the county administrator sometimes, or county mayor, depending on if it's a sheriff, if it's a county sheriff, it's not voted for, they select the sheriff. The sheriff is setting criminal justice in your town, but it all starts with two or three elections before that, right? So, I mean, again, this is not sort of a pie in the sky. I don't know what my tax cut's gonna be 18 years from now. This is, you know, how are my kids gonna be treated when they walk out this door? Yeah. And and we've got, we've got room to do something about that today. Right, and, and you know, look, for even younger, for your kids, allow your kids to be involved in student organizations, allow them to get involved oh, in student huge. government. Huge. Uh, for those of you that are in college, get involved with student government, get involved with organizations because you have a small microcosm of what's going on in the real world. And yeah. if you can learn how to start to operate um, in, in those avenues from younger, it becomes easier when you get That's older. You, you, you're not just going to jump into it in your, in your mid-20s and, mm -hmm. and understand it. You can cut down some of the learning cover if you, if you get a uh, learning curve if you get involved earlier. Jay, I'm, I'm ready for you to run for alderman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I got five on that. <laughs> Ernest, man, we appreciate you. All the knowledge and everything you dropped hey. on us, man. Do you have ways that our listeners, our viewers, can get connected with you outside of the podcast? Definitely, man. You can hit me on ErnestDeloach.com. You can find me on uh, Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. 
I'm on Instagram, and one of these days, I'm going to get me a young buck, you know, like Jay, that knows his <laughs> social media name, and uh, I'm going to figure out this podcast thing at some point. Till then, I hope you guys invite me back. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have you back. <laughs> we definitely appreciate you being here, man. It's not it's not uh, often that things get to come full circle, um, and we can <laughs> and we, and we, we, we can provide that that, that, uh, that platform for that to happen, That's what's up. Feel like we're in a union again. <laughs> hey, don't tell it all, Mike. Wait a minute now. Don't tell. Don't tell it all. Oh, we had that part of the podcast, man. We let it all right hang there. loose now. Stop right there. Hey, man, that's cool, man. So, with no art this week. Uh, who am I going to this week, man? Fresh, you got the fresh jam. Carol, what's, you got something that's grinding your gears this week, man? No riddle. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> man. No, I don't have anything that's grinding my gears really, man, other than people not being able to drive uh, between St. Augustine and, and Jacksonville. Every day is accidents. Every single day going and coming is an accident on 95 or 295 or something. It's ridiculous, man. Man, I feel like that's everywhere, man. And I thought yeah. I was getting away from it when I left Miami and came up here to Maryland, but it's even worse up here, man. Like, especially when it rains. Oh, bro. And then the speed limit is like 15 Look, miles per hour slower. The biggest issue is cell phones. Cell phones, cell phones, Agreed. cell phones. Uh, I, I know I drive every day and always see somebody in the fast lane going extremely slow. You go around them, look over, and what do you see? I've so, seen somebody with a freaking iPad covering their steering wheel. Like I mean, like and I just and I just want to go back to what Fresh said. So Fresh said he's going around them, right? He was in the fast lane, so he's accelerating, doing this, <laughs> looking look, looking sideways at him. <laughs> we all do it. Don't act like you haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't tell people that I do it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Hey, Chai you got a riddle for us this week or not? Uh, nah. That'd be negative. <laughs> negative. Don't need this. Here, fresh, riddle. it's on you then, man. What you got for he's, the fresh jam? He's gone him? already, Mike. <laughs> um, so, as usual, you know, I like to, to throw a wrench in it. Sometimes you got to go back and go forward. Um, with us talking about, you know, all the civil rights and everything else that we discussed today, I felt it was good to go back to um, a nice late 90s uh, uh, jam. But, you know, can't nobody hold you down. So I think nobody should be able to take your pride. Nobody should be able to, you know, take your sassiness or whatever you have. So it's always about being able to, you know, let it be known that can't nobody hold you down. So this is Puff Daddy, old school. Can't nobody hold us down. Beat your big money, mate. My dog, Mason, best thing in the Puff, we just trying to support you, bro. You only got to come get that money. Trying to suit, man. Where you at, baby? Go out to the Bad Boy reunion tour. Hey, <laughs> is that still going on? I don't know, man. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> Like bad boy ain't got trash. Y'all trying to, you know, I put the loyal line in there. Ernest. Nickel, nine, liquor, flush, you die quicker. Hey, it's bedtime. Out of town, pop ripper. Hey, your face was so smooth with it, man. Pays to be a retard. 
I just meant talking slow like Mace. <laughs> Please, no offense. Nobody else can do that. Yeah, nobody got it better, uh, worse than uh, my, my dog Wop, uh, t- Mr. Ten Seventeen Gucci. Gucci. He got paid to be a retard. I've been listening to Gucci since. Like a joke. Icy Hey, hold on, hold on. Mike's still going. <laughs> in the zone with it. Zone out. Mike, in the zone. With Mike. It. Mike is actually on the original. Just so you ah, know. He's on the message. Ah, yes, he's on the message. It's crazy because I just started watching this uh this Netflix uh series, the uh song, I think Evolution of Hip Hop or something. Oh, it's else. great series, great series. Amazing. I had no idea some great of stuff. Series. Like I never knew top. Like, I watched the get down. And you know they allude to Cool Herc, Bombada, mm-hmm. Grandmaster Flash, and everything they there. A couple pieces of jewelry, bro. right? It yeah, turns into watch. a little bit more of a love story, but it's yeah. still a good show. But that Evolution of Hip Hop joint, I'm only like two or three episodes in. I just finished the one where they uh, talked about the Cold Crush and yeah, Rappers Delight. Nothing but jazz. I, I had no idea. And the way he stole everything. I mean, just every bit yeah, like, how do you do that? And the food just ain't no good. Hey. Pizza all mush and the chicken tastes like wood. <laughs> yes, I had no I, I had no knowledge of the Cold Crush Brothers. I think it was Grandmaster Cavs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sick yes. with it. Sick yes. with it. Jay, you need to go ahead and put that on your repertoire, man. That's a great education. Get you some knowledge. That's that's some of the Jay, older generation. Jay just blanked out. Down. You see that? He's like, they're in headlights. Uh, you know, um, um Grandmaster Bass? He actually he actually was sitting there like, man, you you said this is Puff and Mace? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even worry about dignifying that with a response, Jay. I got you, man. Don't even worry about it. Before we go to Coach K with the closeout message, man, I I want to remind everybody. Go ahead. I was hoping Ernest was going to close us out. Uh, Nope, nope. Not taking you off. Not letting you off the hook. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast, man. Google Play, iTunes. We just uh, revamped our whole podcast situation. We got the distributors in line. Hopefully, your listening experience is that much better, being that you don't have those annoying ads in the front of the podcast nowadays. But yeah, go ahead if you're listening. Uh, resubscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. You can get connected with us on Facebook at 13th Floor, please. On Instagram at 13th Floor, please. 13th floor at flagology.com. Run it down. Coach K, what you got for the people? Coach K has for the people. For the people. We talked about who are emerging leaders, where are they going to come from? And we read, you're listening. We're, we're here. And we know that there's some of you out there that you're, you're waiting to be validated. You're waiting for people to line up behind you. It's not going to happen. You need to go out there and just run with it and the people will come. Um, stop waiting to be validated. Don't allow your mom, your grandmother, your dad, whoever. They're not going to be the first people to show their support immediately. Don't get me wrong. They support you no matter what, as they say. Uh, but really and truly, uh, it is up to you to make that, that first step. It is up to you to go out there and claim uh, your track, claim that, that leadership. It's up to you to serve leadership on a platter for yourself. So get out there, be that next leader, be that person uh, that we can support. And uh, we hope that you will also reach out and support us. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're done here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Mm -hmm. We out. Mm -hmm.
Now is your time to play. Mark, we miss you. Jackie Robinson. Come back. It's the Jackie Robinson show. Before they